David G, welcome back to hey. Frontier Podcast. It feels like it's only been been a couple of days since we last had you on. Right. I feel good to be back. Well, we're going to talk about something kind of different today. Um, I know that we we chatted before about kind of your your professional history and experience and how you got here, but I think um, what we want to dig into today is technical vetting um, and interviews because I think this is this is kind of the crux of why a lot of folks come to us with hi- help with technical hiring, right? Um, so to start, let's talk about you. Um, if you want to introduce yourself, share a little bit about what you do here, and then we can get into it. Of course. Yeah. I think this is an interesting topic and thanks for inviting me for talk- to talk about that. This is my team spread and butter and I'm head of the developer relations team. And we spend our days vetting developers and making sure they're great to talk to our clients. And you've had quite a bit of experience doing this same thing before you got to gun.io. So um, in addition to vetting, I mean, how many folks are we up to each week that we're vetting and approving? Going through our pipeline, at the top of the funnel, we have about 400 plus people every week coming into the platform. And then we have a few steps that we vet them. Uh, and by the time they get, are approved and they're able to talk to our clients, it's roughly, well, less than, well, about 10% of them are able to at least talk to their, to our clients. And then they go to another round. But again, I can get deeper into that. There's layers of, of layers yeah. uh, of interviews and and betting by our team, which is pretty exciting. So we, we make sure only the right people talk to clients. Turtles within turtles. Right. Yeah, we'll talk about all those levels. <laughs> turtles within turtles. Russian nesting dolls. So obviously vetting for technical hires is much different than vetting for other kinds of hires um, for teams. So I guess to start, I'd love to hear your take on why it matters to do vetting well when you're hiring a developer um, and what's the risk of doing it wrong? Hiring is a time-consuming part of the work for a hiring manager. So if you're a hiring manager for a small or big company uh, and your company is growing really fast, you're going to spend at least 30% of your time trying to attract the best people into your team, right? So if you have a service like Gun.io that streamlines streamlines that process and does a lot of that uh, have lifting for you, you can look at yourself saving a bunch of that time, uh, hours per week of going through phone calls and then initial um, uh, screening calls and then going into another round and other round of technical interviews. So you can save all of that just by uh, coming through us and talking to people that are already being vetted. So this is why uh, it's so important to get a partner that m- is able to do that right for you, right? Uh, so if you don't do that, you're you're looking at yourself wasting a lot of time reaching out, um, cold messaging people on LinkedIn, trying to find out the, the people they're even going to um, answer you because most of them won't, 
if you're hiring manager saying you have a very special role that developers get every day, five of them, and you want to be special among them, <laughs> you're, you're probably not that special and people are not going to talk to you. So it is, it's very time consuming to do that by yourself. Right. So, you know, it's interesting. Like, I think we, we articulated this assumption that hiring a technical person or hiring a developer is different than hiring another role. Is it different? And if so, why is it different? Mostly it's different because the market is so favorable for developers that they, they can choose and they can ignore you as much as they want because next, next day there's going to be an offer better than yours on their, on their inbox. And they just can keep ignoring everyone. Mm. As for other kind of roles, it's not so common to have that big flow of opportunities coming right to you, right? It puts the hiring people on a different position when they're trying to find good technical uh, quality there. They're just one in many. It's kind of reversed, right? The logic there. Mm. It's a lot like um, executive recruiting. And they're, they're really similar in that to be a good developer, you either, I mean, you have to have both. You have to have exceptional aptitude, like intellectually, and then you have to have a whole shitload of on-the-job training and a lot of experience. And, you know, that's the same thing as a, you know, as a high-end exec who, you know, let's say gets dropped into a private equity-backed group or some sort of professional operator. And, you know, you have to wonder that there are, you know, few people actually, you know, maybe just like three or four million devs worldwide, I think. But but the point is, there's not that many, you know, there's not that many. Um, and so, like you said, the the supply demand seems to be really in the demand side, like outstripping the supply. And then the second, I think, is that to be able to gauge who's good and who's not, you have to be one of those devs that are good, which is already a small pool. Oh, yes. And, and so that that's like hiring an exec. Like, how can you hire an exec if you don't know, if you haven't done the job, if you don't know what you're looking for? You know, it's hard to do. It becomes too difficult for, especially for uh, when we see small companies that uh, they're not quite there yet on technical excellence but they see a future where they have a, a great idea and a number of investors that are bought into that idea, but they don't have the technical excellence to be able to know what good looks like, right? They, they haven't done that uh, by yeah. themselves. So they, they, how, how could they hire someone and trust someone mm -hmm. when they haven't been through that process before? Uh, they have they don't have anyone on the engineering team that have done that before so that that becomes really difficult right so to to have people on your side that have been through that that worked on those jobs that um uh, worked on big companies and worked on ambitious projects before the huge distributed systems and build those things to be able to vet those people for you that's that's um that's the best way that you can approach this creating partnership like that yeah, you have to be able to judge high expertise, and that requires high expertise, which is not common. So you got to either pay for it or build it. Both things take time and money. 
I mean, if we if we want to stick with this archetype for a minute of founders, maybe who don't have a technical partner or department built out, right, and they're tasked with hiring a developer, I think one of the common misconceptions is, you know, any good developer is good for you. And that's just not true, right? It's not like hiring a CMO or a COO who, you know, you can just look at their experience and be like, okay, well, they've done this job before. They can probably do it for me. There's a whole layer of technical expertise underneath just their professional background that has to be vetted. And that's, I think that's where the crux of this difference comes in, right? Nobody's ever asked me to take a marketing exam, right? But like, if I were to apply for a development role, I might be expected to take a, a code test. Yeah, I, I think it's easier to get passable knowledge in like non-technical business functions than it is in technical business functions. I think so, because I think, you know, you can kind of like look at a P&L, you figure out, you Google some terms, you sort of understand, OK, this is what they're representing or you can kind of be like, this is a good flyer. This is not a good flyer why colors and yeah. you know positioning but you know for me for example to learn how to get something up on like heroku i had to go through the odin project i had to read a shitload of docs and then i had to go to stack exchange to like find answers and it takes a lot more than like googling an investopedia on like what's a what does gross revenue yeah. retention mean you know, there's a lot more investment to, I think, get maybe even the same level of experience. And therefore, it's a higher compensated skill. I mean, that's mm. it's more investment, more cognitive investment, and therefore the rewards are greater. Yeah. It all comes down to having real world experience with the subjects that you're talking about, right? Uh, you can try to hack your way through um, and get into the companies, but getting into is just the first step, right? Yeah. So one thing that you can read, cracking the code interview and memorize a lot of algorithms, and you can do a lot of that. Um, and you can get extremely lucky that you get an, on an interview with someone that cannot go a, a level deeper and try to catch you if you're just... BSing your way through the interview uh, and you get a job. But once you get a job, then you need to convince people. You need to earn people trust that you really can do the job. So it becomes another set of problems. So, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And that's still a big problem for the company. So someone that uh, hacked their way through all of that process and still were able to go in. As in, if you have someone experienced enough doing the the vetting process and interviewing them beforehand uh they'll they'll be able to catch bs really quick yeah they will always go deeper and deeper and deeper and asking more questions and trying to understand if you really are who you saying you are you did all the things that you're saying you did then you're going to fail you're, you're going to fail to convince them if you haven't really done those things in the past in your career Mm. so that's 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 one of the key things right to to be able to go another level and try to really understand the past experience on on everyone any candidate applying for a position uh, to understand if they really did the job that they're saying they did as head of vetting what's your position on what if like what if somebody hacks the vetting process here and like gets through, like, cause it's a, it's a, it's an engineered system. 
they hack it, they get through, maybe they don't know the shit that they say they say that they do. What's your position on that? Are you like respect for hacking it, but you're banned? Or are they like, or are you like, you know, good job, but you need to kind of learn the shit? Well, I like to think that that, um, that doesn't happen too often. So yeah. there are a few, there are a few <laughs> things. So let me, let me go over the steps, right? So once you sign up to, to gun.io, you you sign up. And of course we have first layer of uh, screening process and that's more automated. And then you get, there's some things like experience, there's, um, confirm experience if you really did um, there's a way to find out that you really did what you're saying you did and a lot of other things like uh, optimal location and um, skills that are actually on demand and then another layer is um, when you're onboarded to our platform we are going to do the best that we can to talk to you and understand on a general level, and this is pretty interesting because we're not interviewing for a specific job. So on a general level, does your career make sense, mm. right? We're going to look at your resume, your works, uh, your work history on our platform, and we're going to understand, okay, does this, does this career have a good progression? Do they, do we see them evolving and taking more meaningful roles and being impactful on the things that they're doing? If you come into our platform and just list a bunch of frameworks and languages, there's, there's no way that you're going to get presented to a client and, and you're going to uh, get a job. It's really, really difficult for that to happen. And let's say, you did all your homework and that looks good. And you talk to someone in our team and you convince them uh, every time they went on a deeper level and trying to understand if you really did those stuff, you convince them. It's great. Okay. On a general level, you're approved. You were able to cheat us. But now there's the other piece of it, which is you need to convince us that for a job that you're applying on our platform, you are a good match for the job, right? There are some people there are such great matches. They don't even have to apply. Our team is going to look at them and see, hey, this is a perfect match. Let's uh, present you to the client right away, even without applying for a job. But some, uh, when you're applying for a job and you write us a cover letter, you're going, again, going to another vetting process where we need to see Okay, I've heard, I've talked to the client, I've heard what are their, uh, their, I heard their requirements and I understand what they need. I have a list here of people and these are the top people on my, on my vetting process that I'll be selecting to talk to this client. So it all comes down to then at that level, m much more specialized than on the first level that you need to be a great match for the, that uh, job. Is it uh, for a specific kind of industry? Is this for health tech or fintech? Have you done this type of job before? Mm. Because all clients here, they're looking for people that can hit the ground running, right? Mm -hmm. So to be able to trick us at that level, then you're, then you're great. Then I'm going to tell you, go ahead, do the job because you can figure it out. You're probably, if you don't know, you're probably going to learn on the job. Uh, but all, all kidding aside, that's that's all the the levels of vetting, and we kind of redo steps 
a lot of times making sure that people are uh, actually good for the job. Awesome. Yeah. That's a really good rundown of like our formula for success for how we vet talent, both generally, like here's what we look for to allow people even on the platform. And specifically, how do we actually vet people for a specific role or a specific company? I guess what I'd be curious to hear is if we kind of turn turn our attention to a hirer and maybe they're not working through us, right? They're just somebody who's tasked with charging the next technical teammate. What are some common mistakes you think people make? Because you've seen people hire developers for years. Like, What are some common mistakes you've seen um, when folks are vetting developers? That's a very common thing, right? You, you make it the bad decision of hiring someone and regretting it, right? And not actually um, realizing that the people is not that the person is not good for the job. One thing that you that is um, a wrong approach of something that goes bad is that you try to only focus on the technical, and you don't get to a level where you understand that this person beats the culture uh, that you're looking for. That's the most common mistake that I see. People, okay, let's see if you are a good Python developer and all that matters is that you pass the Python coding test. And you forget that in the, in the end of the day, you're going to work with a person, right? Yeah. Especially nowadays that you're working with them mostly remotely and you need to understand that they're, they're, they have their own background and the things that they bring with them uh, to this job. Can you accept that they are um, they're on a different time zone? Can you accept that the communication is going to be asynchronous? Have you figured out the details on, on which uh, you are going to work together? And did you agree about how the work is going to flow? Do you have any uh, ceremonies on your team? Or do you have other people on your team? Have you introduced this new person to other people on your team before making a hiring decision, right? You, oh no, I, I know everything. I'm the hiring manager, not sharing this with anyone. You should, you should, uh, have new people coming in, interviewing with you, but also going on other rounds of interview and talking to other people. So do you make sure your team is welcoming this new person to the job. So the most common mistake is, uh, that I see is people focusing too much on the technical. And another level of that is that you focus on too much on the technical and forget the culture thing, but also you forget to go deeper into how they use the technical expertise on other situations before. Um, and what are their soft skills do they bring to the table, right? Uh, what type of, uh, what type of ownership do they bring to the table? Do they care about their customer when they're building, when they're building a solution? Are they, are they people that are going to take responsibility for the decisions that they have on your company? So all of those things are commonly uh, a common mistakes that people forget to to bring into the conversation when they're having those interviews. I think that just you know begs the question: What is your and thus our as a DevRel team's approach to interviews? Because I know you have a really 
specific kind of opinion on how interviews should be conducted, what should be included. So how do you approach those? First, bring on your best smile and be a good person to the person <laughs> interviewing with you. Oh my God, so many times people interview yeah. and the person interviewing is so rude. Right. <laughs> be a good person. It's, it, it goes... It, you can't say that enough. Just be a good person interviewing people, right? Mm -hmm. Big smile. Welcome them into the conversation. Explain what they're doing there. Step one. That's that's one. That's the number one thing that we do here at Gandoreo. And whenever someone uh, steps into a conversation with me or my team, I strongly advise my team to have this kind of approach. Hey, everyone's here to have a good time, right? Let's start with that. Uh, let's let's start the conversation by assuming that this person is good and let's dive into the good stuff. And once mm. you step into the conversation, you want to start asking more general, just tell me about yourself. Tell me a, a little bit about your career. And you start understanding their communication style with that. You start getting hints of where this person is going to take the conversation on their next questions. A lot of people are just going to start vomiting a lot of keywords, frameworks, and languages. <laughs> and the, the next step, you can see how that's going to go and how different you're, you're going to have to lead this conversation. There's a lot of responsibility on the person interviewing that you need to listen, right? You cannot be talking a lot. You, you are really there to give this person uh, the chance to speak and you have to listen to them and you, you have to be able to listen and by listening, guiding the conversation to where you want to go. And once you get that past, past that first step of getting to know the person overall, you go into the technical discussion. And our approach, as we need to be more general, is a little bit different, right? So we are not going to, okay, let's see your last experience and let's talk about how you develop this feature in React. I don't care about that. <laughs> I will ask you, hey, tell me about the most relevant projects, the project that you delivered in the last two years, right? And then the, the person is going to start explaining that. And if they're good enough, if they understand what I'm looking for, they're going to be listing what the situation was like, what was the customer problem they were solving, what the actions did they, they need to take and what the results they bring to the table were, right? what the, what was the impact that they had with their, with their customer? If they're good. If they're not good, the most common pattern is they are again going to vomit a lot of keywords and frameworks and languages. Just I'm not interested at all. And then I'll, I'll try to bring back the conversation to, Hey, uh, that's all good. But tell me, what what does that mean to your customer? How what impact did that bring, right? Yeah. And that's another opportunity for them to go deeper. If they can't, again, then it's clear that the communication is not at the level that we want it to be. That they're not actively listening to my questions, and probably that's going to be end of conversation. If that didn't happen mm -hmm. and they're good, we go a step deeper. That's when, okay, you, you created impact. Let's talk more. 
tell me a little bit more about the architecture about of this solution. Did you think about this or that trade-off? And that's when my technical skill comes to the table and I start evaluating if those trade-offs, decisions, those challenges, do, do they make sense? Are they delivering the right thing? Um, if they don't make a lot of sense, maybe, maybe there's more context there and I try to dig deeper. So it's, it's fun for me because I like uh, digging deeper like that. Uh, and I usually what I tell my team is just have fun, have, ask questions where you're, you're having fun asking those questions. Right. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, we dive into asking people, uh, what they're looking for. Right? Uh, they're, they come into our platform for a reason. And I really am curious about that. And I want to deliver a good experience to people interviewing our platform. And that's one of the most important things, uh, asking them what they're looking for, how can we get them uh, the best service possible for them in our platform. Overall, that's what happens. Awesome. I feel like that is entirely more simple than people think technical interviews have to be right? right like what you described was just like a really good strategy to have a conversation and understand what somebody is great at and i think that's so that's relevant in you know all kinds of scenarios not just technical interviews so that's awesome really helpful well expert people have a way to make complex subjects appear to be simple right so um that's that's how you 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 can see that uh, this is a very complicated topic, complex topic of trying to do all those technical decisions, uh, but making it simple. That's that's what makes us um, what I like to think expert experts on on vetting people and making sure uh, great people are in our platform. So true. Yeah. How should I say this? This is probably like maybe not the sexy part of hiring. But I think it's an important part and one that I think uh, just, you know, I'll big up to you for a minute. I think one that you're really good at, David, which is like, I think hiring is one part, but then offboarding to build a really high performance team is like the other half of hiring well. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that, like your philosophy around offboarding, how you judge if somebody's not a good fit. Because, you know, an interview is building an a framework for an educated guess of performance. So how do you assess, hey, maybe my hypothesis is not correct? Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a great question because not, things are not going to go well all the time, right? And you you have to define the the criteria uh, to be really clear what good looks like and what not so good looks like too, right? Right. So the approach that I usually take, that I always take actually, is I am going to define all the metrics that are going to make a person a good hire and what are the successes uh, that we're going to see on each step. And and if someone is uh, able to deliver to what was expected and if the metrics are looking good, then everything looks okay. But if something is not going so well you need to have good metrics very early so you can then be very clear and quick to give him feedback trying to assess those problems and making sure they are understood because you can think that you're coaching and you're giving good feedback but if the other part 
it's not actively listening. So all of all of a lot of this uh, working with people comes back to listening, right? Uh, if the other part's not actively listening, you have to be really clear and showing. You have to have that data to back it up to show, hey, this is how I'm telling you things are not going so well, and what I need them to be, what this company needs to be, what the, our customers need to be um, to so that we can keep you on our team, right? So you need to be constant about giving those uh, coaching uh, pieces of feedback and again and again and again. If you don't see improvements, then there's a natural flow that the person you taking those steps so many times and the person understands that okay i i can see uh, where i'm not being able to succeed and i've given the i've been given all of the chances that i could have been given to be successful and um me being letting this person this company uh, making the decision or letting me go is not a surprise to me any anyway right Never, it should never be a surprise that you're not a good fit for the job. And it's okay. Uh, it happens to a lot of great people. They are hired for a job and they're not that good. And, and um, they probably are great on another job. So it's it's one of those things that you have to be really transparent with people so they're not surprised by that. Mm. Do you have in your mind an acceptable mishire rate? Because it can't be zero. It's like a limit. Like you, right? You have to you approach like maybe 5%. You never quite hit it, but you don't ever want it to be zero because maybe you're not being aggressive enough in who you're hiring, you know? I think it depends on the size of your company, right? If, mm. if you're working on a big company on a big team, it's what I've seen in the past of being acceptable and even in, encouraged is that you're okay that, like six to 10% of your workforce is not going to perform well. And you're always raising the bar. Right. And someone is actually going to be behind and you're going to have to coach them out and let them go. So the team is always growing on a strength level. For smaller teams, uh, the percentage is going to go way higher, right? If you take that approach. Right. But you, one thing that you have to be focused on is you need to try to achieve uh, a way to find a way to always elevate the standards of your team. So everyone feel that they're growing, right? So if you're okay with everyone staying in the same situation, you're probably not doing a good service to your clients, uh, your customers, or your business, right? So trying to find that level where here, here's the baseline of mm. what we want to see. So and ev- anyone below that level is going to be coached to either go above that or find a way out. Not the fun part, but it's an important part. The other half of hiring. That's helpful. It's part of the job. It is. And it's also part of having a job, right? (laughs) Nobody, even if you found a company, that's not going to be your job forever, right? Like everybody is going to at some point leave. Um, That's just part of life. And so but it, I find those steps really, to be really helpful, David G, right? Like step one is happens even before you make the hire is identifying those criteria for success. Step two is coaching against them and being really diligent 
in that, right? Like not letting them just slide once somebody's onboarded, um, but actually revisiting them consistently. Um, and then step three is, you know, making a plan for either offboarding or promoting depending on performance. So that's really helpful. Well, cool. I think we're just about out of time today. So that was awesome. I think we'll have to create a a written uh, asset as well based on this conversation. I think there's a lot of helpful uh, bits in here. Um, and obviously it goes without saying, if you do not have a technical hiring muscle within your business, uh, come talk to us because we do. David G can do your hiring as well. Or yeah, or you're working it, it's tired, you're building shit and like you need help. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Come talk to us. We can we, Yeah. For yeah. For some clients and if they're on a different different kind of level um and they wanna design something together and they wanna collaborate and they wanna find a partnership and a way to, to build um, a high performance team, they all can always reach out to us, find ways that we can help them hire. Well, guys, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Listeners, you can find us at team at gun.io if you have any questions. So appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Peace out, y'all. Peace and blessings. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.